Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writing excuses season 13 episode 8 this is writing excuses making characters distinctive 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart i'm brandon i'm valin i'm dan i'm howard all right distinctive characters we should have no problem with this since we are all such a lively quirky (laughs) bunch um we're going to be talking about character flaws and character quirks today uh, so let's start the first half of the podcast on character flaws. Um, how do you, and I, I'm actually going to pitch this at Valin because okay. they've heard from us on this. Of course, we will opine because we are us. But I want to hear from you first. Um, how do you make your characters flawed? What does that mean to you? And how do you approach putting it into books? Uh, I think making characters flawed is we have an idea of what characteristics we want for our protagonist and some of those characteristics might be stereotypical characteristics of what we think of when we think of a protagonist and I think that the flaws sometimes or quirks come from those things that really are not stereotypical that that are maybe you know weird uh weird things that you can get, I think, from anywhere. I like to go into the person's situation and consider where they live and what they look like and their family situation and how those things might temper their dialogue and the things that they might say and um, give insight um, without actually putting it on the paper sometimes of resentments that they might have or Mm. just ways that the reader can start to understand how these characters are imperfect, just like the rest of us. Okay. Yeah. I I feel like for me, character flaws are not something I really understood until several books into my career and realized that a lot of my protagonists just felt the same. And I'm like, oh, well, here I'm writing yet another person who does all of the same things and has all the same goals of saving the world or solving the problem or whatever. And I need to screw them up somehow. I need to, you know, give them something that is going to get in their way and will add some texture to this story because they're not just trying to save the world. They're also trying to, you know, do this other dumb thing that we disagree with. In in formulaic terms, um, I I think a lot... Uh, in in terms of try fail cycles, because you know I'm working in comics and uh, the try fail cycle is a delightful opportunity for pacing the explosions, you know, because the the failures usually make good pictures. <laughs> um, and if a try fail cycle, if the protagonist is failing in their area of competence because they're not good enough yet, 
that's very different than if the protagonist is failing because their competency is not what they need in order to solve the problem. And that second piece is where, when I am designing a character flaw, that's what I aim for. Is there something about this character that can be flawed that will be important to the story? Um, I, uh, if I were if I were working in prose, uh, I would be a lot. I would have a lot more. I don't want to say luxury, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I would have the luxury of creating many, many more of these flaws because I have so many more words to work with, and the pictures don't necessarily dictate that there is, you know, all these quirks of personality that uh, Valin has described. Um, and so in my medium, I have to be very, very precise about which attributes, which attributes I'm going to call out as story important. Mm. Let me ask you this then. You uh, prompted something in my mind. In all my English classes back in the day, they had this idea of the tragic flaw, right? This classic Greek idea that the character would have one major flaw that would cause their downfall. Modern storytelling has kept this in general, but has made the story about overcoming that flaw, turning the stories into comedies instead of tragedies. Um, Do you differentiate in your mind between tragic flaw. This is a major thing that is either going to cause the character's downfall or they're going to work on the entire story and overcome versus just this is a weird flaw that the character has that they're just never going to overcome. I actually use the the tragic flaw all the time in my outlining uh, for when I want things to go horribly wrong. When I want to get to a fail cycle, like he said, or just a straight up all is lost moment. I will try to build it around something that is intrinsic to the character so that when we get to that point, we know they're going to do the wrong thing or make the bad decision because that is their, that's, that's been their flaw throughout the book. And then we get to the point where that thing ruins everything for everybody. And then we have to recover from it. They don't necessarily redeem themselves from that flaw. They have to win in spite of it. Okay. Okay. One of the things that I like to see um, is having flaws that can go either way, depending on where the story is. And sometimes it hurts them, and sometimes it helps them. I think one of the stories I love, if, if you guys ever saw the show Monk, he has OCD and he's a detective. And there's sometimes where that is a real detriment to what he's doing, and there are other times where it really helps him find details that other people might not find. And the reason why I like some flaws that can go either way is to me that is a lot more realistic in situations where we might have someone who is introverted and some while some think that is a that is something this character or person needs to overcome, there are things that that, that make that introverted person, it's a strength in some ways. Mm -hmm. There are things that that character can see. And so I like having aspects that um, can go either way because it sort of gives us a choice as people based on what we want to do with our own personality traits. And it also sets up dramatic tension because uh, the reader can figure out pretty quickly uh, in, (laughs) in my work that uh, this problem of this character is something that is going to 
impact the story directly and is almost certainly going to be negative just because of the formula. Um, whereas what you're describing, um, there's a lot more tension. I can tell that this character has a neurosis and I don't know if that's going to be a heroic thing or if it's going to be a failing or if it's going to be both. Um, I, I just know I need to pay attention to it. So I think flaws frighten a lot of aspiring authors because they worry that a flaw is going to break their character or break their story or warp it too much around this one idea. And so what I like to recommend is that if you build an ensemble cast, that is a great way to practice and play with flaws because you can have your main character who is supposed to do everything, but then she has three or four friends who each are, you know, fundamentally broken in some way. And then you can really play with, well, what if we have someone who is constantly fighting authority figures to the point that it becomes a problem? Well, what this, if we have someone who's doing some other thing to the point that it becomes a problem? And that brings us back to the salient point here, which is that the, the topic of this episode, the title of the episode is characters distinctive, not characters flawed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Valen, what, what you described is distinctions, they're not necessarily flaws. They are things that might be helpful, but they are distinctive. And yeah, an ensemble cast is one of the best ways to experiment with that. I have a, an essay about this. Um, it's one of my Laws of Magic, Sanderson's Second Law, which says that what a character can't do is more interesting than what they can, mm-hmm. generally in storytelling. And in that, I differentiate, for me, between a handicap and a flaw. Um, and there's a spectrum there, right? Uh, Some characters have a, like, if your character is born with one arm, like, I prefer, it's like a handicap, right? There are certain things that are going to be harder for them. Um, But is it a flaw? Like, to me, flaw means something you can fix, you and you often choose not to. That tragic flaw is, I have this thing that I know is wrong with me, or I refuse to acknowledge, but a piece of me knows and the reader knows, and I refuse to overcome this, and it causes big problems. Or I eventually do, and it causes a big cheering moment, where a handicap, kind of like what Monk has, is can I learn to take what I my makeup, which is individual and distinctive, and apply it in a way that's going to help um, me overcome my problems. And sometimes I can't. Sometimes it just is going to cause problems. There is a show called Canada's Worst Driver. And one of the drivers in this show is blind in one eye and has, has won as Canada's Worst Driver, not because he is blind in one eye, but because he refuses to accept the fact that he can't see half the world without moving his head. And so he won't accept driving instruction to turn his head and to take care to see things. And I think that's the difference between a handicap, Mm -hmm. which is what he's born with, and a flaw, which is what, boy, he just shouldn't have a driver's license for that flaw. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. 
uh, which is Ink and Ashes, which we have done before on the podcast. But I want you, Lynn, to tell us about it. Uh, Ink and Ashes is a mystery thriller about a Japanese-American teenage girl who grows up in Utah. She, At the beginning of the book, her biological father has passed away, and her mother has remarried. She's pretty much just grown up with a stepdad. And she ends up finding a letter written from her biological father to her stepfather, and she never knew that they even knew each other. And as she begins to dig to find out why her parents would keep this hidden from her, she also unearths a lot of problems and um, ends up finding out why this was kept a secret. And it reads like a spy thriller. Um, very, very tense. Um, very fun. And has a lot of distinctive characters in it. It does. I One of the things that I... That I, one of the reasons I wrote the book in the first place was because I am Japanese American growing up. I only got to see myself in historical fiction in internment camps or war settings. And I really wanted a, a book that could show that someone who looked like me could also be a hero. And so, I think that in terms of distinctive characters, especially, I'm going to add, especially when you're writing uh, diverse characters, I think that a lot of writers are really afraid to give these diverse characters flaws and major flaws because they don't want to look racist. And I think that is one of the worst things you can do because it just doesn't come off as realistic. And so I think that when you're creating distinctive characters, the flaws are one of the things that make them very distinctive. And I think that um, for me, it was important to separate these characters out to figure out how their background as being Japanese American, but growing up in Utah might affect the things that they say or the things that they think that others around them might not ever realize. But then also just showing how other, how they interact with the people around them and, and uh, showing those relationships as well. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, we've talked about uh, in other casts a lot, uh, writing the other and the challenges involved in that. Um, one of the things that you just shared with us, um, growing up Japanese-American, you never saw yourself portrayed in fiction except as someone in internment camps. That is a distinctive character attribute where if you are writing a Japanese-American person into a book, their experience with media is different than the experience the other characters have. Mm -hmm. And it has little to do with being Asian, you know, looking Asian, having family from Asia, and everything to do with my people have been left out of the narrative. Now, I want to go back really quick to something else that Valin said that I thought was really good. I'm going to push it just a little further. You said that flaws are what make characters distinctive. I'm going to go as far as saying that in many cases, flaws are what makes characters lovable. You know, you look, you look, for example, at the original cast of Star Trek. Bones, we love him because he is crotchety and cranky and impatient. We love Spock because he 
you know, is always kind of chastising everybody else for not being as good as him, you know? Um, All of these flaws that make them stand out, that make them memorable, are also why we love them. I agree. Let's talk about character quirks then. Um, Shifting this conversation toward how do you make a character quirky without making them just feel like, oh, look at me, I'm so random, right? (laughs) Um, How do you make a... Like, I've run into this. Let me let me explain why I say this. I've yeah. run into this where I'm, like, early in my career, and I still think they're fine characters, but I would add a quirk to a character by saying, well, how does, what does people expect this character to be? I'm going to add some weird random thing that they love that just does not fit with who they are at all. And that's going to be part of my definition of them. And the more I've written, the more I've become concerned about just kind of stapling on a quirk um, to make a character distinctive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And wanted to go further than that. But the question is, how do you go further than that? What's a quirk that's not just stapled onto a character? Um, The the eponymous Sergeant Schlock from Schlock Mercenary, uh, two of the quirks that, that kind of define him are, you know, appetite, oral fixation, and he wants to eat it. Um, and he loves, he loves weapons. You know, those are things that he loves. And uh, I aired a strip recently where a new captain trying to curry favor with him offers him a thing, you know, can I, you know, can I change your mind? Can I make you a little happier by giving you something? And he looks at what she's handing him and says, a, a food bribe should look more like food. Oh, it's not food. This is the remote control for the, the fancy new armor suit I'm giving you. And he holds it and has tears in his eyes. And and what has happened there is, you know, the character knows, or sorry, character, the reader knows one of his weaknesses, quirks, whatever, is food, and the other is guns. And I've played off of both of them, and they are central to... They're central to who he is. They're important. Um, there have also been times when I've just had him randomly decide to eat something, and that is funny, and it is in support of a punchline, but the story doesn't need it. I think that when you're looking at um, quirkiness, I think that, for me, I always delve into the psychological um, aspects behind it and wonder, for example, if someone bites their nails down to the quick, they're dealing with some form of anxiety. And going back into the the minds of these characters and trying to figure out what that anxiety is or why would they have this, or is there an explanation for this quirk? I think that is different than a phobia. A phobia is a phobia because we can't really explain why mm-hmm. it happens. But quirks we can. And so I think that if there's a way for you to go into that character's head and figure out what is behind that quirk, then it won't look like it's just stapled on. Mm. It will yeah. actually lend more to that character and to the story. I think phobias can be used as long as, once again, it is integral to the storyline. You're very good at this, Dan. How do you do it? <laughs> um. Well, the example that I'm thinking of is actually not me. Um, a lot of quirks, I think, can come out of the setting. 
and the and so the example I was thinking of the, one of my favorite TV shows right now is an Amazon original called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is about a woman in the fifties who becomes a stand-up comedian. And what is fascinating about her, her what her like her weird quirk, is that she loves being a fifties housewife. You know, you would expect this very feminist show to have her fighting against the strictures placed on women in the fifties to be perfect and you know, the June Cleaver kind of stereotype, she loves that. And the fact that she loves that changes the way she interacts with everyone else in the story and in the world and gives a very different flavor to it. Um, and so I try to do that when I am writing, uh, to find things in the environment or in the setting to pull out and say, well, this is you know, this is their quirk. Uh, when I wrote a cyberpunk, I wanted to make sure that I had at least one character who is very different uh, online versus in person, because that's, you know, that's something that we all experience. There's the person that we met maybe on Facebook or whatever, and then finally we meet them in person and they're totally different in real life. And so finding aspects of the environment in a cyberpunk, that was obviously far more exaggerated. Uh, to say, well, here's what differentiates this person from everybody else. We are out of time. Uh, This has been a great discussion, and Howard has our homework. Okay. Um, We're talking about, we're talking about, you know, distinctive, distinctiveness, failings, uh, quirks, whatever. Um, Make a short list of five of the people you know best. They can be family members. They can be friends. Uh, Include yourself in that list. Imagine them as characters in a story, and then next to their name, start writing the attributes that make them distinct from each other. The, the things that might be failings, the things that might be quirky, the things that might be weird. Include the things about yourself. Um, don't show this list to anybody else because they'll find it highly offensive. You now need to keep this a secret for the rest of your life. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.